Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back to another edition of Market Impact Insights. There's a quote from Tom Fishburne that says that the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. And something that also feels really good to marketers is when they can tie the investment in marketing to the generation of revenue. So that marketing, rather than being viewed as a true cost center, actually is viewed as a vital part of a company's strategic growth top-line growth, ultimately leading to bottom-line growth. So that's the nirvana that marketers around the world continuously pursue. And joining us to take a look at how can marketing truly evolve into being a revenue center is Alan Edwards. Alan is a marketing director at the Marketing Center, which provides UK businesses access to fractional marketing director services. Alan has also held several marketing and IT leadership roles at technology companies, including Aviva, Sun Microsystems, and IBM. And in looking at Alan's profile, he also stands for something called Rational Marketing Advocacy, which I'd love to learn more about. Alan, welcome to Market Impact so, Insights. Thank you, Dan. And uh, I'm good to speak and also good to speak to, uh, to your listeners. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So Alan, you've got an extensive background uh, in marketing, in technology, IT-related businesses. So can you share a little bit more about this notion of rational marketing advocacy and, and how that links to your passion in associating marketing more closely with revenue drivers yeah, for in sure. a company? Uh, Dan, because actually it, uh, it's almost become uh, somewhat of a cause uh, for, my, uh, for myself. Um, so I've been a B2B marketing leader for, for, for many, many years now, um, as you say, in a number of uh, fairly significant businesses, um, not least of which the IBMs, some microsystems uh, of, of this world. Um, but uh, about three years ago, I also started my own business and I also work, as you mentioned, with the, the marketing center. And um, in my kind of leadership roles um uh, of course like many i uh, you know was being called increasingly to account by my leaders to account for uh, the, the the contribution that my function uh, as marketing uh, was making into businesses um and of course in times gone by it was perhaps more difficult for us to uh, truly attribute uh, the work that we were doing directly into uh, into the results of the business you know there's the old adage that you know i spend you know, fifty uh, percent of my advertising is working. The problem is I don't know which fifty percent. Um, and then, of course, technology came along um, and uh, started to give tools to the B two B marketer that you know uh, potentially was set up to help us uh, far more accurately uh, attribute uh, the results of our work. I think what happened. I think um, we uh, we and I say we because I you know could put myself as uh, as guilty on this in the past. Um, I think we, uh, we we fell for that whole kind of technology trap and, and, and I think perhaps have embraced it a bit too far and have perhaps lost sight of, um, of really uh, where the value um, occurs for us. And I think the problem that is unique to B2B 
uh, uh, is that, you know, in most cases, um, there are some exceptions, but in most cases, we have this thing called a sales force between us and the customer. And so whatever's going to happen, you know, a sale moves from online to offline and then back again and so on and so forth. So technology, while it's got an important role to play in our ability to account for ourselves back to our business leaders, I think it is uh, it is uh, uh, it has uh, some degree of limitation by a deed of the fact that we are working with a direct sales force in many cases, and I think we hadn't got to grips with that until more recently, and I think we had confused ourselves somewhat with all of the technology, tried too hard um, uh, to, uh, to to prove our accountability, and and so lost sight. And that's why I think it's time to become a bit more rational, get back to basics. And the start point really is back to let's be clear about what the business is trying to do and what marketing's role is in in delivering against that and agree what that's going to look like. And that requires the marketing leader to form or perhaps in many cases reform a strong relationship with business leadership, particularly the CFO and the finance suite. Yeah, you bring up a couple of really good points that technology push. Uh, I'm sure one of the implications of that is that attention spans tend to become really short. There's a lot of the distraction, right, Alan, in in terms of, you know, rather than maintaining a clear focus of where you're trying to go, sometimes there can be a bit of darting around and distraction just driven by new innovation, uh, technology, change for change's sake. Uh, Do you see a lot of that? Sure. Um, And uh, I... I think you're absolutely right. And I think the result of that, Dan, is that, um, say, it contributes to this problem of, of, you know, becoming somewhat irrational because um, uh, it gave the the marketer the tools to almost measure anything, um, which is great because now we become more data-driven. The problem is, in many cases, we've begun to measure the wrong things, uh, at least as far as the business leadership were concerned, they were the wrong things. So we started to report up the chain, um, you know, a whole bunch of, of, of metrics, which in the most part were, were vanity metrics, or at least the, the CFO and the business leader couldn't translate them into, into hard facts, in other words, revenue or profitability to the business. So on the one hand, we'd become more analytical, we'd become more data-driven. I think we got carried away with the fact that suddenly we had data at our fingertips um, but actually, we'd not done the piece of work that says, what does this data mean against the strategy and the objectives of the business? And, and do that translation so that our leadership understood what we were saying. Um, and, and so we created this, to some extent, we, 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 we increased the chasm as opposed to closing uh, the chasm between us and them. Yeah, it's really that interpretive piece that becomes that that unlocking of what the business potential is, but you've got to bring that uh, that level of assessment. Uh, other than what you described there, are there any other barriers that you're seeing CMOs or marketing directors face as they're trying to form those tighter relationships with the C-suite, with the with the finance groups, etc.? Definitely, Dan. And 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 interestingly, you know, here in the UK, I I, I run a series of roundtables. Uh, Myself with uh, with marketing and, and, and sales leaders, and this has been a topic that we've discussed uh, at length uh, in the past. Um, 
I think there's a big gap. Um, and, and again, it, you know, forgive me for overgeneralizing a little, but I, I think there's a big gap in the commercial uh, understanding and awareness of of many marketers and marketing leaders so that they are avoiding or hesitating rebuilding or trying to build the relationship with, for example, the CFO, um, because they, 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 they can't really put into context uh, the commercial uh, aspect of what that relationship needs to look like. In other words, they're not clear of what the, operate, the financial operating levers of the business are to be able to do that translation that you refer to, Dan. And so they avoid it and try to close that in other ways and, and, and in most cases unsuccessfully. So in trying to build that bridge, uh, that bridge of clarity uh, that ties to the business purpose, what are some of the most meaningful actions that marketing leaders can take to successfully do well, there's, that? Um, some of the business I, businesses I've been working with recently, um, Dan, we've been, we've been looking at this because, of course, you know, as you know from your own work, um, that you know, this is top of the list for, for, for many businesses now. They want to understand what the return is on the investment that they're making in marketing. Um, but we have this gap about, you know, so what should we be measuring? Where should it start? And so on. Um, and there's a couple of simple places that, 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 that a marketer and indeed with a business, they can go to to begin this process, which aren't perfect, but I think they start to put a sound rational base uh, that, 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 that starts to show results that then can be built on and, and, and made increasingly more sophisticated as needed. And that start point or those two start points for me are um, it's surprising how many businesses don't know how much it costs them to acquire a new customer. So they've never done a basic, you know, acquisition cost or cost of acquisition of a new customer. Uh, you know, a very simple um, uh, calculation to do. All of the data pretty much sits inside the finance system, um, but it isn't being done. And just having visibility of how much it actually costs to acquire a, a new customer is, a, is in, in fact, for some business, businesses, quite a profound starting point because they just don't realize because they don't actually think about it in those terms. So I'm I'm a real advocate of starting somewhere like that and getting a business just to do it and look at it and see what that is. Because as you, as you know, Dan, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, there's no, you know, perfect um, cost of acquisition. It depends on the business and the, the product and everything else. But just finding out what it is today and then starting to think about, okay, so what can we do to change it? You know, how can we improve it? Um, starts a whole different discussion between uh, you know, finance and marketing or the business and marketing. You can then add a layer to that, which is, okay, so if that's how much it costs us uh, to, to, to acquire a new customer. And, of course, the cost of acquisition at a very basic level is, you know, your, your total cost of sale, effectively your cost of sales and your cost of marketing in total divided by the number of new customers that you acquired in a period, for example, the last year. Uh, you know, it needs to be no more sophisticated than that to begin with. The second one is then, is if that's the cost of acquiring, then how much 
are they or how much are they worth to you over time so what's the lifetime value of of, of a of, of a customer and again there's some fairly simple calculations that can be uh, applied uh, to do that which are based on you know what's a, an average deal size how many deals or projects are conducted with a existing customer over a period of time and how long has that customer been a customer so multiplied by the the, the length of time to get a kind of a lifetime value or at least a basic lifetime value. And if I know the lifetime value and I know the cost of acquisition, I can divide one by the other and start to look at a return on the marketing investment. And those two basic calculations are something that, in my experience, finance appreciate that many businesses aren't doing today, certainly B2B. I think in B2C, very different. They, they do this all the time. Uh, but B2B aren't doing and it begins to, let's say, heal the gap between marketing and finance. Yeah, because at the end of the day, uh, finance organizations, uh, I've found, don't really want to just be a dispenser or an approver no. of funds. Uh, they, they want to feel like they have a true strategic partnership, that there's some meaning, uh, some long-term value behind uh, that partnership, right? And uh, and I think what you're saying is drive to greater transparency and accountability through that which you're measuring on the marketing side. You get the credibility with finance to then build that stronger yeah. strategic relationship. Right, Dan. And and you know, imagine the the, the 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 two conversations. So conversation one is you know we're at that time of year where we're doing the budgets and so on. So the marketing leader sits down with, you know, finance or, uh, you know, the business leadership and they're discussing the budget and, uh, you know, the marketing leader starts talking, for example, about, um, okay, so, um, you know, last year we built our social media follower base, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, uh, 2,000 followers to 3,000 followers. Um, uh, we think that's great. Um, we think we can get that to 4,000 this year and, you know, we're asking for this much budget to do that. So that's one conversation. In fact, that's not an untypical conversation that a marketing leader might be having uh, at budget time with the business. Another conversation would be, look, we've just calculated that at the moment it's costing us $800 to acquire a new customer. So uh, over the next year, we're going to try and drive that down to $700. And we're going to do it by looking at this and looking at that and so on. And that's where we want to be able to allocate or shift budget into doing that. Um, you know, that just that shift in the conversation and, and, and putting it in terms that, that start to become more meaningful to, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the finance department and the, the business leaders, I think can, can have a, a huge impact and, and start to rebuild I think in many cases, a bit of broken credibility between, you know, the business and marketers. Um, and it's really simple to start. And of course, we all know that actually to properly do, you know, a, you know, a, a, a sophisticated level of return on marketing investment would go somewhat deeper than that. Um, but just starting very simply, because most companies don't approach it in any way like that. It makes a lot of sense. And we've been talking about some of these important metrics that tie to a, a, an improved conversation. 
Alan, what are some of the specific capabilities or skills if we mm-hmm. if we shift over to the people side of things, right? Just let's think about the marketers. What are what kind of abilities um, and skills are they going to need to have? to be successful in these new conversations? I think definitely, uh, as we've touched on, Dan, I think uh, a, a greater commercial awareness and a greater commercial understanding, I think, is, is critically important. And that gives them, uh, that gives them uh, I say credibility, perhaps that's too harsh a word, but, but nonetheless, let me use it for a moment. Um, that gives them uh, an opportunity to increase the credibility that they have going upwards into the business, you know, into finance and into the leadership but also across into the business to their peers in the, the, the sales function as well, because we know that, you know, salespeople by and large are, uh, you know, commercially based uh, people. So I think a commercial awareness is, uh, is, 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 is critically important. Uh, with that, I, I think comes that, that, that sales awareness, um, you know, uh, there's been so much uh, over, well, over many, many years, but, but increasingly over the past uh, number of years, uh, about this whole issue about marketing and sales alignment and and, and so on and, and, and so forth, and um, I, th- I think in 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 B two B it's incumbent on the, the marketer to understand the sales business and from time to time to put themselves in the shoes of a, a salesperson and think like a salesperson, because I think in reality that's the only way that they'll cross that divide and actually bring the the, the two together. Um, so I think there's a, a, a greater sales awareness and, and understanding of sales um, as not the enemy, but as our partners. But we really need to understand um, uh, uh, their world better than we do at the moment as a whole. Why is that important? Um, it's important because this is, <laughs> this is one of my rational <laughs> rants, if you like. Um, B2B salespeople, um, they're in most cases, they're out on the road, um, you know, all day, most days. So there's not many days go by when they aren't speaking to a customer or a prospect in some capacity. In other words, they're, they're tuning to their market and their buyer's needs is, is relatively acute. There's an awful lot of marketers that don't leave the office. There's an awful lot of marketers that the only time they meet and speak to a customer or a prospect is when they're at some show or event and, and you know, they happen to be in passing. The, the idea that, uh, you know, I don't know, an objective for every marketing person is that they should be making, you know, one customer or prospect visit a week or a day or whatever it happens to be, um, I, I think is so long overdue. Um, because I think we have become, because of technology again, I think we've become inward. We sit behind a screen. We look at the data. We think the data is telling us about behavior and what, what buyers are doing. And we're trying to go back to sales and say we know better when they're the people that are actually talking to these people and we aren't. We're trying to read the rooms uh, of of the data that we see, and I think we've believed too far this this hype about uh, you know digital behaviours and so on, all of which is valid, but I think we've gone 
too far the other way. It's taken us away from their markets. It's distancing us from um, the people that actually buy our products. And that gap is noticeable by our sales colleagues. Yeah, you, you bring up an excellent point. It's it's really being sensitive to uh, and avoiding this gradual isolation from that frontline customer touch, because maintaining that is is what really ensures that the marketing uh, is best yes. aligned with um, differentiating and resonating and getting the behavior the, and the response right, not just pushing the message out, but getting the response. So, uh, excellent, excellent point. So as we wind things up. Alan, any other final advice you'd have for marketing leaders as they look to evolve their organizations and effectiveness over time? Yeah, I think, um, I, I guess there's a lot of uh, kind of dialing back perhaps on some of the, you know, the investments and uh, strategies that they've been trying probably for the last two or three years, probably longer, uh, dialing them back into this kind of uh, slightly more kind of basic view of, of life. Uh, because, you know, uh, go back to the top of the call when we uh, were introing, um, Dan, if you think about it, for, for most B2B, say there are exceptions, typically SaaS businesses are an exception. But for most B2B businesses, there is a sales force involved which means a, 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 a transaction, you know, while it, might well, it may well start online and therefore being visible, being found online, uh, you know, coming high up in search rankings and all of that kind of inbound uh, uh, strategy stuff is important. Um, and certainly in many cases, it begins the sales process. But there is a point where the sales process moves offline. In other words, I have to engage a salesperson and the salesperson at that point, you know, is taking it over uh, and moving it on from there. And, and, and if I'm relying on, on digital data and analytics to then, uh, you know, optimize or build my strategies, um, I'm going to miss something because that's not going to come through in the offline uh, activity. I have to talk to my salespeople and understand more from them. And ideally, I need to be talking to those customers and prospects myself in order to understand more from them. Um, and uh, uh, so that uh, dealing with off the online to offline and, and, and back again um, uh, world, I think, is, uh, is, is vitally critical. Um, and I think we've kind of fallen into this trap of assuming that um, online has got a far greater role to play than it probably actually does in a, in, 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 you know, for most B2B uh, businesses. Yeah. It's just keeping things in yeah. context, right. Uh, and, and making sure it's a comprehensive yeah. enough view. Yeah, of it's the interesting, world. Dan, the, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you go back to the very basics of marketing and uh, you know, the, you know, the importance of research, the importance of understanding your market, understanding your buyers and, and, and so on. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's such a basic component and ob obvious component of marketing. And for the B2B marketer, the place we get that is, is, you know, if we're not at, at least with some regularity meeting and speaking to these people, how we can assume to know, I, I, I don't know. And I think just getting back to doing some of that, using some of that to inform our decision-making and then, 
using the tools and technologies that are available to us today to support that is the right way around. And I think, you know, we've gone the wrong way. We've used, we've bought into the tools and, and, and tried to apply them incorrectly in many cases to the problem. Yeah, you used a phrase uh, early on called back mm. to basics. And uh, I think that's really sums it up, which at the end of the day, there's just some foundational principles that never go out of style, uh, leverage some of the new capabilities, uh, the technologies on top of it, but don't forget to do the basics well. Alan, thanks again for joining and sharing your wisdom I and experience. appreciate the, uh, the, the time, Dan. Good to speak and, uh, and good to speak to your listeners too. Thank you. And a reminder to everyone to make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.